listening to The Tape Deck. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We've got a website. We post daily album reviews, and the podcast comes out every Friday. Check us out at tapedeckpodcast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, I have a very special guest I would like to introduce. Uh, two-time Academy Award nomination and Golden Globe winner Hugh Jackman. Hugh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's very I'm nice very, to have you. I'm very happy to be on this show today. Thank yeah. you. Hugh, what, was, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I'm sorry, what? What did you have for breakfast this morning? I, I, can't, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Say that one more time, Hugh please. Jackman, legendary actor Hugh Jackman, what did you have for breakfast this morning? French toast. French toast. You're Australian. With grapes. With grapes. How many grapes? Two. Two grapes. All right. Well, that sounds delicious. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, today's guest is my brother, Mr. Michael Mora. Michael, thank you so much for actually joining us. Thanks very much, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Nice to be here. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, ever since I heard you were doing this kind of thing, I always wanted to, like, secretly in the back of my mind, I got to try this, man. This sounds like a lot of fun. So thank you for finally uh, agreeing. Of course. To, uh, to have me be on your show. Well, I'm sure the public won't mind. I hope not. Yeah. Um, so my brother uh, is not a musician, but he streams uh, games as a hot hand lefty on Twitch. He's a burgeoning streamer, but he's a natural at it. So you guys should check that out if you're interested in uh, viewing games. This is a music podcast, of course. But, you know, there's a comorbidity. It's entertainment. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've only been doing it for about a month and a half. Um, so it's still a lot of fun. I haven't uh, haven't gotten bored of it. That's for sure. Probably won't in the foreseeable future. One could hope. Yeah, feel free to come on by, and uh, have a good time. So, um, what have you been listening to lately? Uh, so, well, I uh, I'm not really a part of the music scene. I'm in the uh, forward thinking and absolutely jam packed with people state of South Ooh, Dakota, scenic South Dakota. Uh, so, you know, not not too much as far as you know new music connections. Uh, are concerned however uh you know i uh i like to explore a little bit right now i'm listening to some kind of weird stuff if you've ever heard of um mr bill wirtz he's that guy who did the uh history of the world entire world i guess i think yeah uh rising youtube star uh he is uh, first and foremost a songwriter so i listen to some of his stuff it's very um the lyrics make no sense they're very abstract but in like a simple sort of sesame street kind of way but the mute, he's a very, very talented musician. Um, yeah, so big on big on music theory. You can definitely hear it in the in the stuff he does. Um, right. Cool. Well, I've only listened to History of the World, but I mean, he sounds like a talented person. Absolutely, so he is. Man. That sounds yeah. That sounds like it's worth checking out. I'll put a link in the description. I have uh, been listening to this band. Uh, they're a local band. Um, the name's Rabbit Keeper. Uh, they do like kind of kind of mathcore, but not really kind of metal but not really like they're a little hard to pin down but they just put out an ep and it's absolutely amazing uh it's on Bandcamp, and uh you should go check it out there's going to be a review coming out although this is going to come out sometime in i don't know late april early may so you know if, if i hate i hate letting people know uh about the backlog <laughs> you know because it's like you're, you're pulling the curtain a little bit but sounds like good sounds like a good time <laughs> today uh I thought, well, what do music and video games have in common? You know, and there is a comorbidity because today we're going to be talking about the rhythm game genre. Uh, I'm sure people who were alive uh, in 2008, 2009, and I don't know, 
I mean, if you were alive back then, I guess you wouldn't be, you would be listening to this podcast or else you'd be dead. Um, but there was a time where you literally couldn't get away from it. Uh, in that period, the year 2008, which is a decade old ago now, it's like crazy. Hard um, to believe, man. It, it was the most profitable genre in, uh, in video games. It was crazy. Uh, it's very close. It was certainly it was up there with uh, with action games, which already are such a such a broad spectrum of games. But they were, I think, they held at one point almost a fifth of the entire video game market. That's in two thousand eight. Fifth. That's insane. Yeah, about eighteen percent. Yeah, it's it was insane, I, and and we certainly felt it. We were teenagers when that was out, and and I was all over that shit. Oh, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the hours we spent. Too many playing with those little plastic instruments. Too, too, too many, uh, oh and to what means? Yeah. I I want a hundred dollars well, I mean, at Best Buy. That's about that's about the most I got from. from I remember that. when you wanted that pro guitar for Rock Band Three so bad that you <laughs> sat through this awkward car ride <laughs> to go. Were you there? Went, I don't remember. I was not there. No, I knew what was going to come of it. But you went and you you bought this this. They made this pro guitar. This little plastic instrument that that felt like a real guitar that you could play Rock Band three with had about hundred and twenty something buttons, and uh, it was not a real guitar by any means, but it looked so damn cool yeah. that I had to get it. Unfortunately, all the stores were were sold out of them, except this one town about I don't know thirty miles away from where we lived, which for a teenager, you know, not pretty far. Who didn't own a car? That was pretty far. Yeah. So I agreed to go with this our old buddy. Our old buddy Scott, and uh, and uh, his his sister, and I was stuck along for the escapades. Uh, she ended up picking up her boyfriend at the time, <laughs> who was already kind of a yeah. oh I don't I, mean, I don't want to go too much story. into detail about it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we ran into a bunch of fog. We got lost in the forest at some point. I was terrified that I wasn't gonna make it home in time. Uh, we end, I ended up finally picking up the guitar. I mean, it was not a it was not a lost cause, and uh, I was so excited. And I got to play the guitar for all of maybe a month before I was like, "This is not this good. is bullshit." Oh, man, that that is just being a kid, really. Is what it comes down. <laughs> that's to. a teenager right that's, there, man. Yeah. Well, that's that's a special kind of teenager. The special kind of teenagers that we were. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I was a special dude. Okay, so when we say a fifth of the entire video game market being taken up by the genre we're talking essentially about games like guitar hero and rock band right well yes yeah essentially really just two games yeah. and a couple of spin-offs well there was also the just dance series which i don't remember if that started in the late 2000s it did not it started in the uh in the new in the in the 2010s okay in the early 2010s but definitely after the the the, the, the guitar quote-unquote craze ended well, Just Dance, if you remember, it was kicked off by the, the industry's interest in motion controls, uh, which the Wii, the Wii was proliferating, obviously. And, and when the Kinect was coming out, all of a sudden it felt like, oh, we need, they need this dance game. And then everyone was still on board with it because the rhythm game genre was still kind of booming. Sales had fallen a lot by then. but They're still selling Just Dance games. It's like, it's like the Now series of music. They yeah. just release like a new one every year. Now that's what I call dance. Old Madden. Old Madden. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go back to the beginning, right? Because obviously this doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, there's some precedent as to 
people like dancing. Dancing's been around forever. You know, people like rhythm. And, and moreover, these particular games were about the community of it, you know? Even a game like Guitar Hero, like, as much as you were able to play it in your home, like, there were arcade booths. Um, same thing with Dance Dance Revolution, which was a huge dance game at the time. Like, it was about being with people and experiencing the games together, you know, which is why games like... I do Rock, agree. Yeah. It's why games like Rock Band took off and, uh, and became a sensation. So... There was a very heavy arcade aspect to rhythm games, especially when they were beginning to form a, a, a similar uh, game mechanic, right? Just like the, the, the track of notes and time it to the beat and then get progressively more and, you know, better and better and better at it. And yeah, definitely had a very arcadey feel to it. Do you think that there were any rhythm games on the Atari or like any of those home systems where it was like beat and then hit it, you know? No, I don't believe so. Although I do know for a fact that there was a game for the NES called Dance Aerobics. Uh, and believe it or not, you used the Nintendo patent power pad to play it. It was one of those rare games, like world-class track meet, where you'd stomp on the floor and to, to time. It was called Dance Aerobics. Yeah, that Might have been one of those awesome. weird games, kind of like We Fit. I don't really have any more details other than that. Can you even imagine... Uh a power pad, like a literal pad for the Nintendo Entertainment System, this console that came out in the late 80s, actually working properly? Because I can't. I would say it, it definitely, I think it worked, right? I, I must have. I mean, that's it, just my assumption. It, it sold fairly well. I mean, I actually have a memory. Do you remember back in, it might have been Nickelodeon, I don't really know, there was a show called Wild and Crazy Kids. I can't remember forget that? that show. I could never. And, uh, one of the guest stars was actually Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother, Omar Gooding. Oh, no way. He was, he and, was that uh, guy's brother? That's right. That is correct, yes. And uh, I remember there was a specific episode where they, they had to do a challenge to use the Nintendo patent power pad. And I remember seeing that thing on the TV as a five-year-old kid and thinking, that is the coolest thing. How do you thing. remember these things? I do not. I don't understand. I'm weird. <laughs> yeah. But you, you're you're just as weird, so I, I take solace in that too. That's true. We got we got the bug. We got the bug. Got the the weird bug. So um, all right. So uh, obviously there was precedent. Um, this whole this whole genre started in Japan, right? Like it had to have. Uh, the, as we see it now, I would say so. Yeah. Yep. It started with a game called Beat Mania. Um, it people, was, uh, I wonder if people have played Beat Mania here because it wasn't released in Western audiences. They actually, if you played a little game called DJ Hero, that'd be about the closest representation you would have oh to my Beat Mania. God, they, DJ Hero, they sold the yep. little turntables. Yep, and that's essentially what Beat Mania was. It's just this big-ass turntable, arcade style, right, with five buttons and a disc. And you'd, uh, you know, you'd press the buttons and spin the disc to the, to the button presses. And this came out around the time, like... Right, it was right after Rock Band Two, right? So we're talking like two thousand seven ish, yep. two thousand eight. Yeah, like Xbox three sixty, like mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right, but that was what Beat Mania was essentially. Yeah, so you have timed button presses, and depending on you know the accuracy and also the the timing as well, you'd get a rating for each button pressed, which is what you see today and actually in a lot of rhythm style games, especially those that come out in Japan. Um, right, that that is still going strong in some way but the attention has turned to uh a little dare i say a little creepier aspect of it i don't know Ugh, a lot of uh, i've seen these games yeah 
You you straight people, I, I do not understand. I don't get it either. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm not even gonna go into it. So <laughs> Mania, yeah, we're stepping Mania, in some yeah, goopy water. Was there. there a home release for this particular game? No, there was not. No. So this was all just arcade. All just arcade, but it was so damn popular that they were like, "We gotta, we gotta just keep coming out with stuff now." So Konami, the creators of Beat Mania, created their own little music rhythm game subdivision. They called themselves Bimani, uh, and then from there, Bimani, not not Binami. Which I would feel like would be like... Well, it's B-Money for Beat Mania. Yeah, but it's like, it's from Konami. It would think it's so the other it would... way around. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, and they created a bunch of hits, one after another, in the early 2000s. Guitar Freaks, which was super popular in Japan, which actually Guitar Hero would come from. And the, uh, the their first hit outside of Japan, a little game called Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, yes. Now, this was the first big rhythm game. Well, no, it wasn't actually really. Let's go back a little farther. So before Dance Dance Revolution, which was a huge hit in Western audiences, like, there, I mean, obviously, there have been several different versions of it repackaged for the home console. It's been, it's sold well in arcades nationwide. Before that, there was a game on the PlayStation that was the first true rhythm game hit, like the one that started it all. Do you know the name of this game? Yes. Yes, and it is. What's the next question? Oh, uh, Parappa the Rapper. Parappa the Rapper. You're very correct. Good old Parappa. Yes, sir. I uh, I have I play- seen you play this game. I have seen myself play this game, and uh, it's very strange. Yeah, you wouldn't think it's so influential as a being a rhythm game because most rhythm games as we know of today don't follow the structure that Parappa did. For those who are not familiar, you play this little dog character who right. is trying to impress this girl who is a flower. Uh, and you do that by talking to various adults, uh, an onion chef, a moose driving instructor, a chicken who is also a chef, a lot of chefs in the game. And uh, you uh, just time certain button presses. And uh, depending on how well you time You're it, definitely not describing your LSP trip in the summer of 2014, right? Uh-uh, no. Okay. Uh-uh, nope. That's uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> so this game was this um, game was big, like it was revolutionary. It there was nothing really else like it, you know. Yeah, I, I would say its success was kind of short lived. It was supposed to be the killer app for the PlayStation. It was when, when it came out. Of. I mean, it wasn't Japan. It came out at launch. Yeah, it was the it was just such a best unique selling game. game in Japan, I believe, uh, in that year. In that year, for nineteen ninety six, seventh best selling game in Japan. Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, we know the story with the PlayStation. You know, Final Fantasy VII kind of took the crown from there, yeah. and crap of sort of kind of fell into obscurity after that. Yeah, but I mean, for people who remember it, it was it was pretty big. And so, but but because of this game, there was a precedent. Like all of a sudden, people understood what it meant when they heard the name rhythm game. You know, they would just come back to Parappa the Rapper. You had to. Time the bunch. Are you remembering the cutscenes now? <laughs> That's oh god. <laughs> My style is rich, dope, fat, in which we'll bake a cake today that looks rich. Oh my god. <laughs> Emily, can Dickinson. you imagine? <laughs> can you honestly imagine people nowadays? If people think the word rhythm game, their first the first thing that comes to mind is Parappa the Rapper. I know, right? That is a world I do not want to live in personally. That's a world I don't think I could have lived in. If the country had had the rhythm game franchise be just as popular as it was back then, but with Parappa the Rapper style games instead of what we now see. That's yeah. 
That's true. I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> it's making my brain hurt already. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have Parappa. Then Dance Dance comes out in Western audiences two years later, one or two years later. That's pretty damn uh, big, if are, I recall. People are falling for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dance Dance is huge in this country. You know, everyone knows the name pretty much. It's like a household name now. DDR. Um, even among people who don't play video games. You know, you, you, you'll hear you'll heard Dance Dance Revolution immediately comes to mind, just like footwork, arrows, timing to the beat, looking like an idiot, playing in your socks. More importantly, it was kind of the first rhythm game, arcade game anyway, that you could bring back home. That's it, true. You could buy pads yeah. that were compatible for, you know, for home consoles, which was pretty amazing. I wonder if it was Konami themselves that developed the home pad or if it was a different company. Uh, that's a good question. Well, Bimani was kind of had their own sort of technology stuff going on they they were not only did they do that but also you know guitar freaks with the guitar peripheral and also that taiko drum game that you would see in a lot of arcades oh yeah yeah we know it as taiko drum master but it was uh it was obviously named something different in japan i think i've only seen that that as well i've seen that only once in an arcade in america yeah uh and it was was pretty cool though didn't it oh it's so cool (laughs) yeah i would have oh i wanted it absolutely um, yeah. All right, so let's focus on Guitar Freaks because this is where this is where it starts to get closer to home. So Guitar Freaks had its own peripheral, which was fast. Like, I mean, there wasn't a game that had that, and it, yeah, it felt a little gimmicky. I mean, it was Japan. You know, they, Japan has the power glove and all these different accessories, and it, that's just sort of just the market. You know, what the surprising thing was was that a little company, a little Boston company called Harmonix. And this other company called Red Octane, these were the guys that paired together, saw what was going on in Japan with Guitar Freaks, and they were like, well, this is a cash cow. We have to bring this to America, um, which is where Guitar Hero comes from. I mean, you remember Guitar Hero. It came out on the PlayStation 2, I think. So it was I like, do not remember. What, yeah, yep. It did, in fact. Now, now, like 2003, 2004-ish, maybe. It came out earlier. actually 2005, um, and Harmonix had already done some stuff before that. They uh, had made a couple of games that were very similar to Guitar Hero in a sense where they made rhythm games. That was that that was their that was their sort of niche. They made um, a game called Frequency, and then after that, Amplitude. They're very similar games. You controlled this little robot that would go back and forth. Essentially, you would play out a song, but you'd switch between instrumental tracks. Like you could go to bass on one, and the guitar on another, and then you know vocals on another, drums on another. Fun game, hard to sell to people because of the abstractness of it, right? People weren't quite sure what to do, or they looked at it and said, this is way, this is going over my head. I can't take this. It reminded me a lot right? of, I don't know if Rez came out um, around this. No, Rez was way after that. Okay, I was about to say, because I was like, yeah. Rez was a game that came out on the, P- the PlayStation 2 that, well, I don't know if it was way after, because Rez was around the PlayStation 2, wasn't it? Mm-mm. I thought Rez was way after that. I thought, I, by that, I mean like this decade. It's possible. If you know the real answer, uh, leave a comment. Like, comment, and subscribe. Well, all of you. Yep. Yeah. We want to hear the answer several times over. Several times over. Just post it. Just post the year. Uh, so Guitar Hero comes out, um, and this is a game that is based on the mechanics of Harmonix's previous games, but in addition has this, this new developed kind of gimmicky but also kind of well-built small little controller developed it, by Red it is it is the closest thing to a to a piece of equipment i have used in my 
young adult life that might have resembled a Fisher Price toy. It was, it looks flimsy as hell. It's got the, like the, the guitar neck is about, I don't know. It's about, it's, it's like square rather than like thin. Yeah. And it's got those tiny colored buttons and that weird strum bar. It just looks flimsy when it's in your hand, especially if you've used a real guitar before. Yeah. Um, and on that alone, you would think it wasn't, it, it would have never gotten as popular as it actually did. Um, Red Octane was the one who specifically who made the guitar. Why exactly did it get popular? And I can, I'll tell you why it got popular. And and this is something I, I truly believe to this day. Out of every single rhythm game that has ever come out in the history of video games, I think Guitar Hero was the one game that truly connected the player with the music. Like, the rhythm games beforehand were way more focused on just straight gameplay mechanics. How can we make this game, you know, be appealing to the player? Harmonix went into Guitar Hero with a totally different strategy. They wanted the music in some way to be connected with the player. What can we, how can we finish our game? How can we construct our mechanics in order to get that straight feeling like you're standing on stage playing in front of a bunch of people? I feel like the biggest decision, the best decision, I guess, on their regard, because it didn't cost them a lot, was their decision to use solely covers uh, of songs instead of the actual, because the original Guitar Hero had none of the original songs that that were featured. You know, I mean, there were songs, I forget which one specifically, but like, uh, like for instance, Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, you know, Bark of the Moon. They had no covers. They had no license to anything. Yeah, it was and all just that's, covers. That's for good reason. It's it's an indie. At the time Guitar Hero came out, it was an indie studio. They weren't sponsored by anybody. Uh, they All they did was just partner with Red Octane using the money that they made from their previous games, from Karaoke Revolution, which was a which was a singing-based game they developed, and from uh, also Donkey Konga. They were involved in that too. Yeah. So they had a little bit of cash flow. And just wanted to create a big project out of that. They had no sponsorship from any major distributor at the time. Yeah. So all they had, they all they could do really feasibly was just do covers. But the covers were important because they made you feel like you were playing the music. You know? I agree. It's like, and that and that's the point. You know, like games that came out next. And I know in Guitar Hero Two, they there were bands that all of a sudden were on top of this. I remember they used the real version of uh, Jane's Addiction "Stop" uh, partway through. And, and and whatnot like they use real songs by the time you get to rock band 2 all the songs are are the originals there's no covers whatsoever you know there are licensing issues you have to deal with but the covers were special because it was a version of the song that you had never heard before so it made you feel like you were the one that was doing it absolutely i do so agree that, yeah that i think ties into that point i think you're very right um that game was so I, I would say it's it is the sole reason why guitar hero became such a phenomenon this not only was the guitar peripheral very easy to use, simple to use, difficult to master, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And that game, again, did so much more in terms of playing, connecting the player with the music. And that and that particular aspect of that game is, I would say, the reason why rhythm games became so popular yeah. in 2008. You know, how that, how that boom essentially happened. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. This was a, this was a whole new way to be interactive yeah. with music in some way. I think right? it's also funny that it it took the canonization of the entirety of Western rock music to get the Western audience on board with rhythm games. You know, like it took that integration. 
because it's important. I that think. makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. The I funny mean, thing I, about the, the funny thing about this particular genre is that Guitar Hero came out in 2005. All right. Let's think about what was going on in rock music at that time. Do you remember what what was going on in rock music? White Stripes were coming out with Elephant. Uh, oh, Elephant was 2003, man. But oh, yes, that was right. that, around um, that time, yeah. But like, but it was they were definitely in the forefront of music at the time. The new metal genre was at a decline at that point, or or it was it was prominent. Like there were bands like Avenged Sevenfold and uh, uh, Chops. I think um, System of a Down came out with Toxicity in, what was it 20, 2004 or was it just straight up 2000? 2001, believe it or not, was when yeah. Toxicity Okay, came so out. new metal was had already peaked and it was going down. Like uh, indie rock was starting to become a thing. The shins were really popular. Uh, the Strokes' influence on music oh, was yeah, still... The New York underground scene was booming. Um, so Franz like, Ferdinand was popular, exactly. I think, around that time. Yeah, so rock was in a um, weird place where there was interesting stuff going on, but you could sort of start to see the writing on the wall as far as far as its decline as a popular genre, you know? And I think games like Guitar Hero sort of rode that because there was a nostalgia aspect to it. They, they chose a lot of songs from the 60s and the 70s. And I remember there was a version of the game that came out that was all 80s hits. That was, we'll go into a little bit, uh, uh, we'll go into more detail about that a little later. Yeah, but like, oh, I'd like to anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear Balls to the Wall again <laughs> for the 20th time. <laughs> I, I forgot get, that was in that. I got to get that solo just right. Shit, man. I forgot. Yeah. And I think Poison was in there at some point. Yeah. So it was, it was sort Tumult. of, I think it sort of helped, it rode the wave of the nostalgia while also crucially helping people, kids specifically, I guess. Uh, reintroduce themselves to, to hits that were that were starting to get forgotten, you know? I mean I mean think about how popular the Who was back in the two thousands. You know? I think it was games like Guitar Hero and Rock Band that helped give them a resurgence in popularity that culminated in their two thousand eight I think it was two thousand eight performance at the Super Bowl. Oh my god, I forgot all about right? that. Right? Wow. Because who the hell talks about yeah. the Who? Like who? Yeah. I wanna know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The soundtrack for Guitar Hero, the original, was a knockout. The Guitar Hero I mean, it's, Two it's, was just as I would say, just as much of a knockout. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely differences in in. Uh, I think they focused again a little bit more on quantity. They used some weird choices, like they had one Aerosmith song in Guitar Hero Two, and it was not a song that most people would think of when they think of Aerosmith. I you know, when was... you think Aerosmith, you think like Sweet Emotion or Walk This Way or Dream On or something like that. They used, um, they used, uh, God, what was the name of the song? It was, it was like, um, it had Dream Child. Or... Oh yeah, Ch- Love Child, Dream Child, Baby Child. Baby Child is redundant. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does redundant. Um, I, I can't, I can't. I mean, they got their comeuppance, right. and they got a whole game of just Aerosmith songs. It was a song. It was an Aerosmith song that you would probably hear on the radio every now and then, but it's not one of their like super. Popular. I'm pretty sure if it's from Toys in the Attic. I don't know. The, that point is neither here or there. Yeah. Um, Guitar Hero Two was the big one. Like Guitar Hero was popular. Guitar Hero Two is is was one of the first games to integrate online leaderboards. You remember that, right? Well, that was that, that was uh that was during the Xbox 360 port. Yeah, because cuz Guitar Hero 2 came out originally for the PlayStation 2 and then when it got ported to the Xbox 360, all of a sudden you were able to compare your scores with other people. And that's also, when it's there was a uh, there was a very small DLC store, believe it or not. 
Oh, yeah, for, uh, right. in, in the, oh, in the, the Guitar Hero 2 for Xbox 360. With online play became the ability for DLC. And um, I think a, a major reason why Guitar Hero 2 became so popular was not only riding the success from Guitar Hero, but a very crucial moment in Harmonix's involvement with the rhythm game industry, which was Activision's purchase of Harmonix. Activision saw, again, the writing on the wall. They saw the rhythm franchise becoming a big hit in the future, and they wanted to be a part of it. So in 2006, they purchased both Red Octane and Harmonix and said, you guys are going to make the next Guitar Hero game and we'll fund you for it. So they were able to churn out a new game in the space of a year with pretty much the same format. Um, was that Guitar Hero 2 or Guitar Hero 3 you're talking about? That was Guitar Hero 2 where Activision was oh, okay. officially so a part Activision of the system. buy out that company. Okay. That is correct. They were in charge of that for that, for that time. And uh, they were able to create a new guitar peripheral, better graphics, um, the more songs, they increased, they, they tweaked the game mechanics a little bit so that it was a lot easier for the player to pull off crazy note um, combinations. It was a little tougher in Guitar Hero, the original one, um, and this one is a lot easier. But on the flip side, the difficulty of the game was much more rigorous than in right. uh, than Guitar Hero. I mean, you had songs like, you had Hangar 18 by Megadeth, you had, uh, which is maybe um, the last time I listened to Megadeth. <laughs> my cred is terrible. You had Beast and the Harlot, but again, by Avenged Sevenfold, which were very popular in 2006, um, which uh, I guess arguably, I guess in that particular scene are still popular. Um, so two things. Um, first, if you're, if you are at all confused about who's talking right now, I'm Robert and he's Michael. Uh, second, um, you called yourself Robert. You were, I'm Robert and you're Michael. Holy oh shit, God. dude. Already, when was the last I, time that confused. happened? Well, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I know, but okay, fair enough. Dude, that's I, bringing it out of me. I just didn't know. <laughs> when I'm talking to you, we're still teenagers, that's, man. Oh my, I'm feeling like a teenager right now, man. It's bringing back okay, some so, painful memories. Well, let me bring this back to you. Yeah. Uh, you were amazing at Guitar Hero. This is sort of the amazing part bringing up. You were a master at that game. I was, I was all right. I, you I, are uh, had too much, best... let's, let's put it this way. I had too much time on my hands. Well, you were a teenager. You know. <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. You, what else was were, I going to do? And still are. You are the best Guitar Hero player I have ever seen in my entire life. Well, I haven't done yeah. it in a long and time. To, so to it's... memory, to memory. I don't to think memory. you'd be able to do what you used to do, but... I mean, I'll tell you something, man. It's it's a it's a testament to the to the to the greatness of the original Guitar Hero game because I thought it was stupid when I first tried it. I thought it was way too difficult. I don't think I could pick it up. My buddy, you know, you know Scott, he left it at our place. Same guy. He left the peripheral place. Said, "Try it out, man. Maybe it'll be good." And that summer, man, that summer between freshman sophomore year, all I did was just try it out. Oh my god! You should stream Guitar Hero. I absolutely should. Although I, uh, I think I might have, <laughs> in the big move, I might have left my guitar peripheral back home. Unfortunately, it doesn't so matter. Do you know how cheap they are right now? Just go get another one. Yeah, fair enough. I could do that. Yeah, just dude, get one shipped up. Great. I still definitely have Rock Band Four. Um, but yeah, okay. So I, let's, I just talk, kept let's talk about Rock Band for a second. Let's talk about Rock Band because, I mean, you saw what happened with Activision. Like they got bought out. Um, Harmonix didn't want to make another Guitar Hero. Well, it's a little different. Uh, it's I would say here's what happened. Uh, yes, Activision bought Harmonix. They wanted to be a part of it. However, MTV Games comes into the picture. The new challenger. They want they want the, a piece of the pie. And it's MTV, owned by Viacom. Big 
bucks. Uh, and not money. only that, their MTV, they got licenses to a lot of music. So they said, that is we're going to big thing. We're going to buy out Harmonix. So here's what happened. They took Harmonix, but not Red Octane. So the, the team in that part is split up. So Activision has Red Octane. MTV Games has Harmonix. And by the stupid legal laws at the time, Harmonix is now, they cannot legally make another Guitar Hero game because they're not owned by Activision and Activision owns the Guitar Hero name. So Harmonix is kind of stiffed in the project. Yeah, as a business owner, that sounds like that sucks. As a business owner, yeah, it might suck, but if you're a good business owner, you adapt. And this is exactly what Harmonix did. They had the idea of making Rock Band before they even wanted to make Guitar Hero. They 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 focused on the guitar aspect of it, but yes, impossible at the time. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the money for it, and now with MTV Games under their belt, they do. So they sunk a bunch of money into making all these different peripherals, um, and voila, a year later. Out comes Rock Band, which is essentially a new, sleek designed guitar hero, but with four players. Players? Yeah, that game was four that players. game was great. I f- right. loved the hell out of Rock Band. That was <laughs> now beforehand. You were you were sort of involved with the guitar hero. I I I I picked up the guitar peripheral a little easier, and you were focused on more on controller shit. You remember that? You could technically play guitar hero with a controller, and you got pretty good at that. Good. But also the fact that you had to strum is super hard <laughs> on the controller. You keep pressing Absolutely, buttons. dude. You couldn't beat Miserloo no matter how hard you tried. It was just impossible. I'll tell you what, though. I was a great drummer, and this is my little claim to fame right here. Uh, we we I don't know why we didn't have a, a high tech console at the time. We only had a Wii, but we played mm-hmm. Rock Band too, and we had at one point we had the top band <laughs> on the Wii version of Rock Band. Now that's, I mean, that's uh, Rock Band 2, and uh, that's actually a pretty decent claim to fame because, believe it or not, the Wii version was the highest selling version of that game. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because the Wii was the highest selling console at the time. More people had Wiis than anything else. Our time in a band, we recall... Warm June evening. It was. Um... (laughs) <laughs> we were in the band what was the name of the band it was some teenage bullshit right it was called oh like, my Prodigy god we, okay preface we did not come up with the band name this was another dude from canada it was a, it was a canadian it was a canadian dude who came up with the name and his and uh and he called the band prodigy supremacy uh because we were edgy we were edgy 16 year olds and which, which uh, is when it's socially acceptable if there ever was a time to be edgy so any game worth its salt especially in the burgeoning like all of a sudden there are forums on games and whatnot, and they're getting more and more popular. Rock Band had a forum. The Wii Rock Band had a forum. And we were a part of that community. You know, we would we would post our scores and whatnot. We would interact with people. And we spent a lot of time practicing these songs. And, and you and I were, you were good at the game, and I was a naturally good drummer. Like, we, we just kept racking them up. And our competition... Uh, I forget the actual screen names, but they were just awful people. Like they were just really sour, um, competitive people. And do you remember the website? Absolutely. Do you remember the website that created? Absolutely. Um, There was a website that was like a hate website where they like shit on all of us. They were like calling us all like, I don't know, like. Okay. Imagine that. Okay. Okay. Imagine if anybody has seen that Guitar Hero version of South Park. Imagine South Park level drama, essentially. We were the kids. This was a true story. 
Just this, just this ins- insanely intense drama over fucking nothing. It's essentially cyberbullying over uh, rock band. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Glorious oh of my the internet. Oh my god! Ew, it's, oh my god! I, I, I completely blocked that from the memory until I thought about it just now. Mm-hmm. Good god, that's bringing me back. All right, so back on topic, right? Because uh, we are deep into this podcast at this point, right? So, Guitar Hero, Rock Band. It's 2008. All of a sudden, oh, you missed, a you missed a big part of that. You missed was... a big part of that. Guitar Hero 3, dude. Oh, yeah. The one that I everybody mean, knows. It's true. Yeah. This that's, game. I mean, this friggin' it, game. This game yeah. was, and I think Activision claimed this. I don't know if it's true because they're the ones who own it. It was the highest selling game of 2007 by far. It was an insane moneymaker. It was a sensation. And for, was for an good reason. Sensation. I mean, they they had the Guitar Hero franchise, but they didn't know they, they tried they had their initial programmers try to look at the game and then they said, This is deceptively simple. Like Harmonix yeah. actually had a decent formula in making these games, but it was very tough for them to do so. They brought on right. a team of developers that they had had under their belt for a long time, Neversoft, which at this point were famous for making the Tony Hawk series of games. Um, right. And that whole that whole situation came about when uh, the CEO of Neversoft found the CEOs of Red Octane at E3. And uh, Neversoft told Red Octane, listen, dude, we want to work for you. We were making Tony Hawk Project 8 and we were stressed out as hell. And the only thing that we could really cope with was playing Guitar Hero. We love what you guys have done. We want to work on it. That's essentially how Neversoft got to got to work on that in the first place. Right. So I have another story for you. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I was uh, getting, so I forget. Oh yeah, John and I were out late one night. Oh yeah, we were hanging out with Rigo and Kristen. And we were coming back and we were like, oh man, I could use some food. And the only place that was open near where I lived was this Polish dumpling, Polish, Russian dumpling place. It's not the same one we, we went to, is it? No, it's different. Why and Polish so dumpling places in Seattle, don't you know? <laughs> uh, that was... um. Oh God! What's the name? Uh, oh, Piroshki, Piroshki. That's right. Um, no, we're, this is a Russian dumpling place. It's on like Twelfth Ave. And I walk inside, and the very first thing that greets me on the PA speakers is Dragon Force. Oh no! A band that's popularity was achieved solely through this video game. Yep. Um, and I mean, Dragon Force—they play hard. You know. I mean, that's have you ever so listened to any Dragon Force outside of that that titular track? I don't think I have to because every song is essentially through the fire and flames at a different tempo. <laughs> well, no, it's the same tempo. It's just egregiously fast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to shit on them because they're no, amazing players yeah. and I'm sure they're really nice people, but I remember an old high school buddy of mine who was just about as into rhythm games as I was telling me from in high school, they got the chance to see dragon force live. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure on the studio, they're very, very good musicians uh, in real life, however, uh, when you you go up live and do a do a set, especially if you're playing a fast song, you know, make, make sure everybody's on the same tempo. And oh, uh, it was it was bad. They, like it was a really? maybe, maybe maybe they were just not doing so well, but they were they were slurring a lot of their their guitar playing, and they were some the guitar players were playing playing faster than the drums could keep up with. I mean, it's possible, especially when you're playing. It was it a large arena because sometimes oh, if you're using inter- this is this is a couple of years post Guitar Hero three. Absolutely, this was okay. A large so they're arena. playing the biggest venues. Yeah. yeah so they are. 
so sometimes there can be malfunctions in uh, inner ear monitors and whatnot, because I'm assuming they were probably using inner ear monitors where, I mean, sometimes you can literally just chalk it up to a technical error, which sucks because it's not the band's fault. You know, so who knows, who knows whether or not that, that performance was based on the fact that they, they, they weren't a good band in general or, or because of technical issues, you know, I always like to assume the latter, you know, cause who Absolutely. knows. So but, some, just a, just a um, tangent, nah, not even a tangent. There are some notable differences that Guitar Hero 3 had, and this is under Net, it Never Stops production. Um, there were more licensed songs, but then Rock Band also had licensed songs. That was the future, essentially, of the rhythm game franchise. You got money in it now, so you might as well get the big boys, right? The set list for Guitar Hero 3 was a lot more well-known, I would say, than the previous two Guitar Hero games. There were a lot of big-name songs. They had Welcome to the Jungle. They had Bulls on Parade. Well, that's because Slash was in the game. They had Raining Blood. I was also going to get into that, too. For the first time, they got licensed musicians to mocap, which Neversoft was a, was an old hand now at this point. They had done the same for Tony Hawk way back in the day, and now they're going to do it for Slash and Tom Morello. And well, Brett Slash. Michaels was in there for some reason, and I'm not quite sure why. Brett Michaels was there for one song. You actually couldn't even play him. I know. Yeah, it's an old Poison song. Uh, and also a notable difference, even though Activision's a big company, got a lot of fucking money, they still felt the need to uh, put a lot of product placement in Guitar Hero 3. Oh my god, all, I remember that. Everywhere, you could imagine, every single area, all the venues had like licensed Mustangs. Like if you went down the set list, you'd see random advertisements for Five Gum. And be sure to oh watch Rock of Love with Brett Michaels as well, um, well which I'm pretty sure was the only it. reason he was in there. I'm pretty sure there was a, a motion. There was a cut. There was a cinematic that you could unlock in the game where it was just Brett Michaels talking about doing Guitar Hero and not nope. looking like he wanted to kill himself. You don't even unlock um, it. They just give it to you. <laughs> oh, that's true. They're just like, here so you go. We know you want this. And we're like, yeah, what? Exactly. <laughs> we know you don't want this. So I'm just going to give it to you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, man. It's uh, okay. So and so that so goes to the fact that it's a lot harder. That was raining blood. By the time you managed to make it to the final end of the set list, some people just threw their hands up and said, I can't do this. I wish I were a spider with like double the amount of legs or, because I can't do this. My, my, my fingers don't work this way. I cannot play <laughs> raining blood. I cannot I'm not a cyborg. Blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let, this brings up an important topic. Let's, let's, let's tie this in. So that comes out, right? Best game, best selling game of 2007 by a wide margin. All of a sudden, we have hit this point where the industry they claimed is... it to be the first game ever to sell one billion dollars in sales, which is insane. I mean, that's basically because of the peripherals, right? They were you could sell it for like 150. Just the peripherals, yep, and everything. absolutely, yep. Okay, so why did the market crash? Because it's 2019. No one's playing rhythm games anymore. Like, what what made it crash? There's actually several. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's arguable whether there was a primary reason for the uh, for this for the game crashing for for the game crashing for the for the the franchise crashing, and so it did. I think it it's chopped up to a lot of factors, honestly. For one thing, and this is something that kind of affected every single industry, the recession, two thousand eight recession hit hard. Oh. Yeah, right around that time. And uh, people were losing money. They were losing pension funds. They were losing retirement savings. People just didn't have enough cash on hand. And jobs were short. Unemployment was through the roof. And then you had yeah. these games that were selling $150 
you know, music peripherals, especially rock band, where you bought four instruments in order to play the game properly. People just didn't yeah. have the money anymore to purchase those kinds of things. So I, I think, think on that, top of it, there were those there were those clones. There were just so many knockoffs too. That is honestly Activision's game selling strategy. They owned the Guitar Hero franchise. They wanted to milk that puppy for as much as they were worth. They came out with spinoff after spinoff after spinoff. And, you know, Harmonix did kind of the same thing. I think after Guitar Hero 3, they came out with Guitar Hero World Tour, which uh, came out around the same time as Rock Band 2 and was essentially Guitar Hero's version of Rock Band. Had the four instruments you could play as a band together. Shortly after that was Guitar Hero 5. They had Guitar Hero Aerosmith in between that. They had the Band Hero, which was like a kid version of Guitar Hero. They were coming oh out with God, Guitar Hero funny. Van Halen after that. And, yeah. and DJ Hero, a spinoff of that. They were planning several, several games to tie in You're all right. in the same year. There was just too much saturation in the market. Yeah, that was the killer. Not only that, absolutely, but... And actually, the CEO of Activision, Bobby Kotick, he went on record in 2010 saying, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that there was an unhealthy competition between Activision and Harmonix as far as which band rhythm product are you going to subscribe to? You know, are you going to go with one or the other? And he regrets that that was the case. In fact, he said that they could have benefited a lot from partnership and Harmonix to make like a like a true rhythm game. Yeah, capitalism. Yeah. What are you gonna do? So there was that. Yeah. So you. So either. So essentially, players were not buying Guitar Hero and Rock Band in general. You were either gonna go with one or the other, especially because you really can't only have enough money to afford one of those products. So that's already another player base cut in half for each of them. They were fighting on right. resources. You yeah. know. Um, so on top of that, like, God, and first of all. Whenever I see teenagers like talk about like, oh, you know, the EA is the worst company in the world and, and seeing them get all passionate about it and being like, just care about something better. You know, <laughs> I have to go back to when I was a teenager and I was giving a shit about Bobby Kotick and like how he was ruining the rhythm game franchise because we were up in arms about that. Hell yeah, dude. Well, in all fairness, he did go on record again way back in 2006, essentially saying – I all I care about is money. I want to make the most money possible. And you know what? That's fine. It's very easy to make a lot of money. That's all you care about is making a lot of money. But that essentially means when that you're, you're gonna you're gonna hog the market with as much as you possibly can. You know, when you're a teenager living in an idealized world, <laughs> it's so easy to get up in arms about that and just not oh, yeah. and just not be like, no, this is the way of the world. I don't understand what you what you're complaining about. I would this say that's a lot of that's a lot of old people's gripes against young progressive liberals. Like they they would say like, oh, yeah. you know, they just don't know enough about the world to make any realistic claims. You know what I mean? And they do have some there there is some kernel of truth in saying that. You know, I you know yeah. I'll give it to them in that regard. But at the same time, like. You should push for, for stuff like that. No, sorry to go off on that on that kind of thing. I didn't really go off. No, it's but, fine. This is yeah. Seattle. People people love progressive. People. Yeah. Well, I'm in South Dakota, like and so I have to make sure I have thick walls when I hear something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So anyway, um, uh, yeah. yes, you are correct. 2008 was when Rock Band Two and Guitar Hero World Tour came out. The rhythm game industry was on fire. They were they were using their star power. Um, it was the peak of the industry. It's just a sudden phenomenon, right? They po- harmonics polished their Rock Band franchise to a T with Rock Band Two. You and I both played that game, and we loved the hell out of it. Yeah, I would go on record saying Two that. was probably one of my top ten favorite games of all time, and I've played a crap ton of games. Oh yeah, Two is great. 
All right, so let, let's tie this up because we're running a little long here. Oh um, man, really? I know, right? It goes by so fast. Um, all right, so industry essentially crashes around like what? 20, 2009, the sales were down 50%, which is still significant it's, because rhythm game, that's still a tenth of the industry as opposed to a fifth. It's sad, honestly. Harmonix at the time had accomplished something that no other company involved in that kind of thing could ever even hope to do was they licensed the Beatles music. And they were ready. They were ready to print out the Beatles rock band. It was going to be such a big hit, and then it ended up selling like only half of of what it did for reasons outside of of their control, right? But it was still a great game. In fact, they did so poorly that MTV Games was awarding 150 million dollar bonuses to their to their you know to Harmonix for 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 the success in the industry. They did so oh poorly, god. MTV Games immediately said, we want a refund on that $150 million we just gave Oh you. my god. No, it's a bonus. Bonus yeah. literally means, well, it means good. But well, I guess not. <laughs> it's bad. And not only that, but they were like, we got to jump ship. So they were like searching for a buyer for Harmonix almost immediately. I'm talking 2009 yeah. when it's starting to crash. Luckily, Harmonix yeah. managed to survive through a shareholder company. So MTV Games ditched yeah. them like a bad habit. Uh, their games Would you came say... out and it just got worse from there. Would you say that the crash of the rhythm game genre, uh, well, besides it being tied to the recession and everything, was also technically tied to consumers' disinterest, sudden disinterest, not sudden, but gradual disinterest in performative music? I wouldn't you know? say so. I mean, popular music was all of a sudden starting to go to the club, like electronic was starting to become a huge, huge, huge thing. And not that it already was, but like it, it was breaking big time. Dubstep was starting to become a huge thing, you know? I think, and by performative music, I mean like live instruments and whatnot and everything, you know. Mm. I feel like there, there might be a comorbidity there, you know. Like like the descent of rock music in general, would you say? Or just instrumental music? popularity, I would say. Well, I mean, again, the, the popular music was all of a sudden going to beats and, and, and DJs and, and Hence know, DJ Hero. people who were pressing buttons on. Yeah, that's, that's the market they were trying to capture. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 maybe as far as the eventual decline was concerned, as far as like what we see as right, the rhythm games now, I probably would say so. I mean, the Rock Band 4 set list, eventually in 2015, Harmonix came back with Rock Band 4. They did. With a big, yeah. big comeback. And the set list was fewer songs than initially, and a lot of them were like, this isn't really rock music. And then I think that speaks to what you were talking about. There's, there's really not much in terms of hard rock or something you would find on that kind of, you know, game. And that's, exactly. and that's crazy to think about considering the original guitar hero was 10 years ago before, you know, yeah. before um, rock band four came out and the difference in 10 years before rock band four, you mean? Yes, exactly. And the, and the difference yeah. in, in what we were seeing as far as rock music is concerned was leaps and bounds in just the span of a decade you know yeah that's it's weird to think okay. about so let's finish this up with some, some closing statements uh so regardless of whether or not you were actually on board with the rhythm game genre or whether or not it pissed the hell out of you hmm. um rhythm games were here and were a big point in america because the games that came out in america were amazing games like they really helped you interact with music in a way that wasn't really possible or, or hadn't been done before you know and if you're a music lover uh and especially if you're a burgeoning music lover someone who literally doesn't know the difference between a led zeppelin song and a rolling stone song when they hear one you know they're great games nowadays and they're totally worth playing 
you know i actually think you can get places for cheap you know like well, you can i'm get not the, sure uh, how you can much get the games for cheap it might be a little tougher to get the peripherals that you need it's, to play them that, that baffles me why there were so many made you know you think they would they would be out like used copies would be out for one cheap, word buddy know? saturation if you got one uh, you don't really need to buy another one well that wouldn't that would explain why the price would go down is there any reason do you think they're expensive or do you think they're inexpensive? They're out really of print, really, as, as far as I'm concerned. Mad Cats went out of business. They were the last people to purchase. Uh, essentially, they they decided to make the peripherals for Rock Band 4, and that was their last gasp. Either they were going to sell them well or they were out of business. And unfortunately, um, sales were not what they hoped to be. It was kind of like a Hail Mary as far as Mad Cats was concerned. They were already failing business to begin with. Um, I'm actually going to look it up on Amazon to see how... Yeah, Rock Band 4 bundle is $77. A bundle as far as what? A guitar controller in the game? Oh, with a game controller adapter. Hold on. What does this even mean? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they still go for a little bit. Like, it's essentially the same price. They had to keep it standard. But regardless, if you're interested in music or, or learning about certain things, I bet there's a lot of songs on these set lists that you probably haven't listened to. It's essentially how I got started listening to music when I was a teenager, you know? And essentially, we ended up curating our own Guitar Hero disc, if you remember, during the summer of, like, 20, 2008, In our, in our old shitty Windows XP computer. I can't believe that computer didn't explode. It wasn't our computer. It was Dad's oh, yeah. computer, and he was not happy about it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, uh, I did regret that after a while yeah. but it's whatever we had fun um so uh, the bottom line is these games are worth playing absolutely it, and they're worth playing because they're still fun and they're still if you have a copy they're still a great party game you know um it's just that they've gone out of style it's unfortunate because I, I don't think the core gameplay has has aged badly at all it's still there it's still fun in my per- my personal opinion i think it's always going to be fun no matter how good or bad you are at the game that sense of community of playing with other people it's a community it's it's so true try yeah. ties back to that music is about community really you know yeah people need to listen to music or music isn't well it's the that's the whole art discussion but that's a whole other thing absolutely so i i absolutely agree with commending these games despite the phenomenon of 2008, you know, tragically ending as short as it did, and it was a it was a flash in the pan as far as rhythm games were concerned. It did it, it burst forward and then ended almost as quickly as it as it began. I still commend both Rock Band and Guitar Hero for bringing music awareness in general to younger generations, especially older songs, right? And I, if you again, if you do have a copy and you find the instruments in your hands, try it out. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Rock Band Four is still getting updates as of this day and they're still updating their dlc store which has crazy 3 plus songs on it you will find something you like on that on that store so that's okay that's right that's worth it then you know Mm -hmm. if it's still getting updates then then why not sink your teeth into it man music is fun it just it's it's a testament to the fact that harmonics truly cared about the product they were coming out with bringing people together through music and uh I, I was lucky enough to actually go to Harmonix um, and playtest um, a couple things they were working out for Rock oh, Band. I this is back when they that. were getting the DLC for Rock Band 4 ready. I got to go to Harmonix uh, headquarters, and it was every bit as awesome as I thought it was going to be when I was a teenager. 
And, I have uh, a question though. Did you sign? Did you sign a non-disclosure agreement when you did that? I did, but uh, the, the the content they were working on is already out, so it doesn't matter. But did they say that you're not allowed to talk about it, even if it already came out? No. Because if it did, I can just edit this part of the podcast out. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> the magic. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think that's all the time that we have. Um, me, Frater, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, uh, I hope that you enjoy a dinner of French toast and grapes as well. Oh, thank you very much. I yeah, Hugh Jackman, thank you so love, much for being on the I love, podcast. I love me. I, I love me. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> I gotta send you a video, man. I gotta send you a yeah. video about that. I got something already planned. Perfect. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, tune in next week when we're talking. We're going to be talking about something entirely different. I don't know. It's up to you. And if you want to hear me talk bullshit about games some more, Hot Hand Lefty on Twitch. Check him out. Check him out. He's great. He's super cool. Mostly as cool yeah. as Twitch stream could be. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a Thank double chin very well. He does. I've seen him. But you're going to have to check out the video cast for that. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you so much uh, for listening again. Um, I'm Rob. He's not. Uh, We will see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Catch on the flip side.